Each season, Guys Telling Stories seeks out fascinating people with a good story to tell. I'm Rich Douglas, and this man beside me is my co-host, Bill Easton. Yo. We're a couple guys who love a good story. So join us on our quest to find fascinating people with a good story to tell. This is Guys Telling Stories. Welcome to Guys Telling Stories. Hey, Rich. Bill, got a great story for you today. Did I mess up your intro? No. I said yo. <laughs> no. When you I'd, said my name. No, Bill. I love it when you jump in. <laughs> <laughs> now, what we got today? Going to be more excited to talk a little sales, a little marketing with Chase Slepik. Chase uh, uh, offered to talk to us about how he got involved with the iconic brand Jolt Cola. Mm-hmm. But Bill, I got to tell you, um, he's got one heck of a story. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, I, he's everybody. He he's been involved and in working since he was the age of nine, and we're talking. Um, I believe like a lemonade stand. I'm not sure if I'm getting that right, but uh, sure. Um, he's he had his own car wash business. I mean, um, I even I even heard there's a rumor he dabbled in some bounty hunting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who hasn't? Well, no, I mean, imagine I've been that, caught. I mean, I love a, I love a good business card, and uh, saying podcaster is pretty cool, but. Imagine meeting somebody who hands you one. It's like a former bounty hunter. <laughs> former former bounty That'll hunter. That'll start a conversation in That's a bar. Funny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, but Joe Cola, you know, getting to uh, getting to that brand, Bill, it's uh, it's back. It was gone, but now it's back. All the sugar, twice the caffeine. That's right. And, and like I said, we have an unconventional story. Um, Chase is a fire chief for his local fire department. Um, he's involved in some real estate development. And, um, of course, the reason we're talking to him is he's vice president of sales of Jolt Cola. He's the <laughs> person responsible for Jolt Cola's revival. What is the... Uh, well, I have, I have a Jolt story if you're, if you're interested. Yeah, yeah. It laid on me. So, um, did you drink it growing up? I, I mean, t- we, Oh, yeah. Our whole family drank it and uh, for free for, for, <laughs> for a while. For free? Well, <laughs> so um, it was back in my... Uh, I was probably in fourth grade, so I'm probably nine years old and off from school and... Um, we were on a corner house, so in a dead-end block. So a car pulls up kind of right in front of our house, and I'm outside playing, and a guy walks up, and he's got all these little, like, uh, newspaper bags, and he, they're red. And he, he, he says hi and puts it on the porch, and he walks across our lawn and goes down the street. And I, of course, I'm going to go, obviously, I want to see what it is. So I open, it, I open the bag up, and there's a, it's a two-pack of Jolt Cola, like a full 12-ounce can just of, just for free on your doorstep yeah drop it like sampling like That's i think awesome. it's just coming out so i'm nine or ten years old this guy is dropping off two packs of this this thing and he's walking up and down the street and he's carrying like you know a ton of them sure so um you know i see i i wait and he does the whole street and he leaves and i immediately start walking up the street and taking all my neighbors jolt cola <laughs> <laughs> You're that kid. He probably stole the whole bowl of uh, Halloween candy too. We had a uh, <laughs> no. I just ran fast for that, so I didn't. I, I you know. So yeah, we had a um, we we had Jolt Cola for a long time. Oh man! So that, when you say your whole family drank, and now I understand. Yeah, we had plenty for a while. Well, nowadays, um, Joe Cola um, is probably a nostalgic drink for a lot of people, but that's where our guest comes in because it is back, and maybe uh, Chase can send you some so you don't never have to steal it again. <laughs> that would be uh, very nice. Can you? Uh, can are you going to throw in to him to send me some? Yeah, we're going to have to. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll talk to him off. I'll mic. give you half if you if you mention it. I don't want to ask. <laughs> All right. Well, let's give Chase a call. Hi, Chase. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Happy to have you. 
Hey, for our listeners, uh, let them know where they can find you if they want to find more information about uh, you and your uh, your business. Yeah, you can find out all about me and the projects I'm involved in at chaseslepic.com. So it's C-H-A-S-E-S-L-E-P-A-K.com. Great. Now, Chase, just before we uh, you know get into some of your stories, uh, where are you? And if you could tell us your titles or you know officially, what do you do for, for a living? Yeah, so um, I'm based here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a uh, town I grew up in. We're about 40 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Um, officially, I, uh, I carry a few titles. Most importantly, uh, I'm, a, I'm a father and a husband. Um, second to that, I am uh, uh, the fire chief here in Fawn Township, Pennsylvania. So I'm a volunteer fire chief here in town. Oh, thanks for doing um, that. No, of course. It's, uh, it's one of my passions for sure. So, um, you know, for, for a living, I uh, primarily vice president of sales at the Boylan Bottling Company. Uh, Boylan Bottling, manufacturers of uh, pure cane sugar sodas. Um, started in 1891, has really kind of developed into a full portfolio of, of premium beverages. Um, I am president of uh, our family's business, which is Slepic Enterprises. Um, we're a socially responsible real estate holding company. So we're really kind of focused on making a, a major impact in um, what is kind of a, uh, I would deem a forgotten mill town here locally. Um, and then I think what you folks are most interested in is my current role as vice president of sales at the, uh, the Cholt Cola Company. Jolt. Yeah, Joel Cola. Yeah, that's that's the story that came across our desk. And and we'll get to that, but it sounds like you're involved with lots of different brands and projects. So let's uh let's hear a little bit more about your background. You said you grew up uh you know just outside of Pittsburgh. Um maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh about growing up there. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up uh, like I said, about forty minutes north of Pittsburgh. Um small, uh historically a uh, a coal mining town actually. Um very working class. Um Grew up uh, pretty early on. My parents were divorced. Uh, spent most of my time with my father and uh, and his parents, my my grandparents. My grandparents, a, uh, a Korean War vet and a uh, fresh off the boat Korean immigrant, um, really did teach me a lot about about hard work, work ethic, and and grit. Um, something that I think really kind of resonated with me early on, and I, I always picked up on that kind of sense of pride uh, that my family had just in in hard work and, and their work ethic, and that's something I. Uh, Yearned for very early on in my life, I think. Hey, before Jolt uh, Cola, what did you do for work? When, you know, when you were kind of just starting out. Um, yeah, so very early on, as as I mentioned earlier, I was uh, I was very interested in working uh, from a very young age. So I kind of got my first job around nine or ten, um, working alongside my grandmother at a local nursery um, here in town. Uh, I was paid to carry out the plants and the boxes and load the customers' cars. Good nice. for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I was trying to think when my first job was. I wouldn't be trusted with any of that stuff. At no. I think I did some <laughs> landscaping, meaning I cut my neighbor's grass or something when I was 12. But you, you got a three-year head start on me. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was- it was, a, it was a ton of fun. Um, I remember the, the big uh, transition for me and my big accomplishment, uh, my tenure there at the old Pascor's greenhouse was uh, my ability to, or when I was for, finally trusted to run the cash, uh, the cash register. So I had, a, I had a lot of fun with that. Cool. So, so no lemonade stands, nothing like that? Um, that evolved, that happened around 13. Uh, <laughs> my, for, for, for my 13th birthday, um, my father uh, bought me a commercial, uh, shaved ice machine and I founded, uh, Chase's frozen fun in July of, of what would have been 2003, 2004. That's great. Also, yeah. So you basically had your own version of a lemonade stand. Nice. Not like the Snoopy one that I had. Like this guy had like a real, (laughs) I want one of those right now. I have a popcorn machine. Yeah. I'm not doing anything with it except eating popcorn. Yeah. Instead of making, (laughs) making money. 
Well, what about um, what about high school? You know, like uh, w- w- did you did you have any of these odd jobs um, like during those years? Yeah, I I really have uh, started at ten and haven't stopped since. Um, you know, looking back, uh, I think the the pivotal point in my entrepreneurial ventures was was certainly the Chase's Frozen Fun. Um, you know, for, I love from the there. Yeah. <laughs> from there, uh, you know, uh, it got a little bit easier. Um, when I was able to drive and I started doing uh, asphalt sealing with a local asphalt sealing company, I was still kind of working at the greenhouse a little bit. Um, and, you know, uh, my first vehicle was a pickup truck and I knew that I wanted it to be a pickup truck because I was kind of thought of a, of a vehicle as a tool. And if I knew I had a truck, I could always be in, in the lawn, uh, lawn care business or landscaping business, whatever it may be. Um, so I did a lot of that around town as well, you know, from about 16 to 17. This is great. Yeah, seventeen uh, took a took a strange turn um, as far as my uh, my my career path. Um, I decided that uh, I wanted to find something that I could do more on weekends, despite the weather, and early on in the in uh, weekend days. And I found a uh, a local security company that was hiring for a weekend guard. And uh, I was seventeen, so I had to I had to fabricate my age a little bit to get the position. <laughs> nice. Um, but I but I worked weekend uh, I worked weekend security. Um, from about 17 to 18, uh, at 18, my school had a, um, a work release program and, and, uh, what it was, was, um, they wrapped up a couple of electives and you were able to leave school early, um, to go, you know, work a job. So if you were going to be in the trades, you could go work a job or whatever it may be. Um, I took a very unique approach to it and, uh, the security company I was working for paid $4 more, uh, per hour if you worked night shift. So I would actually leave school early on work release, go home and sleep the rest of the day. And I worked uh, from 10 to 6, uh, night, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. night shift guard and, uh, and, and, would, and would drive to school, sleep, <laughs> sleep in the high school parking lot and, and go to class for the rest of the day. This guy, this guy from the age of 7 to 18 has worked harder than a lot of people yeah, I know. That's, a, that that, that's grit today. right there. That's grit. So the, 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 uh, security got me thinking. And I remember, uh, thinking to myself, you know, what else could I do with this? You know, I guess a little bit of background. I'm, I'm not a small guy by any means. So I was like, all right, I'm starting to think of myself as a bit of a tough guy working security. How else could I, uh, can I capitalize on this? And the idea came to me, if you remember back in, you know, what would have been like 2008, um, dog, the bounty hunter was kind of uh, the big thing on, yeah. on A&E. No, you didn't. Did you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the, the one great thing about working night shift uh, security is you have a lot of time on, on the internet, right? And I remember doing all the research and I'm like, in Pennsylvania, you don't need a license. You can pretty much just do this. It's actually kind of, uh, it's kind of alarming to be honest with you. Um, and I decided that's what I wanted to do and uh, went and had my business cards made up, started researching the business plan, um, you know, called insurance companies, realized nobody insures a 17, 18 year old kid to be a bounty hunter. That's just not, that's just not a thing that happens. No. <laughs> um, and, uh, I started reaching out to bail bondsmen cause you know, that's where, uh, the, the, the work is generated from if you're, if you're going to be a bounty hunter. And, uh, so wait a minute, uh, hold but, on. Well, before we, did you catch anybody? <laughs> like, did you, I did, I did, I okay. did. I don't want to miss that part. I don't want to oh, miss no, that if you did. Okay. No, we won't miss that. Um, so I, I get everything up and running and I get a, a list of bounties and I start researching them. And uh, I started learning. It's a lot more investigative work that I'm probably, there's a reason people specialize in this, not just high school kids trying to pick up a bail. Um, 
it's not it's not as easy as it sounds but i ended up finding a guy ironically in a housing development that is now probably three miles from the house i live in today um Ended up arresting him. At this point, I mentioned earlier, uh, I always had pickup trucks because I, I really thought they were a great tool and I could always use them for work. Ended up arresting a guy. Um, had a buddy of mine that came with me to do it. We both have no idea what we're doing. Arrest a guy. Cuff a guy. He rides in the middle of a, my pickup truck, a single cab F-150, down to the Allegheny County Jail. I still have no idea. I've never done this before. Um, I have the paperwork. I'm calling the bail bondsman and I'm like, hey, man. I may have exaggerated in my uh, it, it, when we were going through my experience here. I have absolutely no idea what to do when I get to the jail. Um, I've got a guy in the front seat of my car. Um, I do remember like promising my parents as I was looking through these bails that like, no, dad, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take nonviolent criminals. Um, so like, I wasn't so worried about you know anything going sideways with the. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the criminal himself or the, the bail jumper. Um, but we get down to the Allegheny County jail and they're like, okay, well, you know what to do. And I'm like, Oh, here's the thing. I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I collect, I collected, I think it was a $500 reward on him. And I remember sitting back and being like, I probably have 40 hours into, and, you know, calling around and doing all this research for all of these different bails. I have no idea what I'm doing. And this just is not an effective business model at this juncture in my life. So, yeah, did a little bit of bounty hunting. I can't believe the guy sat in the middle of the seat and listened to you talk, telling people you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't like, can I just get out now? Like, Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we're 18, and, and uh, it was one of, the, one of the other volunteer firemen from my fire department. I called him, and I was like, I need some help, man. And we both, you know, he's like 6'2 and a, and a buck 10. We both sat, uh, and he was in the passenger seat. We had the guy in the middle, and transported them to the Allegheny County Jail. Wow. Wow. I mean, I've never met anybody who was a former bounty hunter, but <laughs> Chase, that's an amazing story. Um, let me focus you a little bit here. As you are starting to get involved with sales and marketing, Was uh, I'm guessing this is post-bounty hunting, but um, what were you doing um, in your life? Where were you when you started to sort of... Uh, kind of focus a little bit more on, you know, the starting your own business and, and, and what type of business was that? Yeah. So when I first got out of high school, um, I did a quick stint, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my father was at, uh, Red Bull, actually the energy drink, um, for a while in, in its infancy. And, uh, he got me a job there to, to see, you know, what I wanted to do, um, while I was getting out of school and, and bounty hunting, um, did that for about three months and realized, yep, dad, this really isn't for me. Um, and ultimately, uh, met a, met a pretty wealthy guy that was heavily involved in the, uh, in the car wash business. And I met him on Craigslist as I was literally just looking for business opportunities. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be in business for myself. I wanted to engage in business. I wanted to run a company. So again, a ton of time online, uh, looking through the, the business sections of Craigslist at the time. Um, I run into this guy who's got uh, here. He had some car washes and he was looking to rent out uh, some space in one of his car wash locations for a detail shop. And I said, people there, you know, there's got to be good margins in that. It's a service based business. Why don't I give that a try? Like, let's see what we can do here. Again, I'm desperate at this point just to run a business. That's all I want to do. Um, I end up uh, meeting with him and I'm like, yeah, he's he's a very wealthy man. This is perfect. Like, 
He's obviously gotten wealthy by being in the car wash business. <laughs> I want to be the car wash king now. Um, this guy has restaurants. He's, he's got real estate. This is all from his car wash business. It has to be. This sounds like your first uh, forte into you know, entrepreneurship. So um, how successful was it? What were a couple of struggles that you came across? Yeah, um, it was moderately successful early on. Um, you know, I, I, it started very innocently and we were just going to operate detail shops there. But again, um, I don't do anything small. So I immediately jumped right in and I said, I want to buy this car wash from you. Um, and he said to me, you know, all right, let's, let, let's work a deal um, to, to set up some financing. Um, so I was on the path to own this, this car wash facility. It was four coin operated bays, drive through. Um, it was a, it was the real deal. And, uh, like I said, things were going really well, um, in the winter and you wouldn't expect that, but, uh, especially here in Southwest Pennsylvania where we get snow one day and it's 60 degrees the next wintertime is perfect car wash season. Um, so we were doing, we were doing really well. I was keeping up with the bills, paying, paying towards the loan. And I was on the track to own this one car wash and that was going to spiral into every other car wash in the tri-state area in my head. But the seasonality started to really affect me. And I slowly started to learn that uh, maybe wealthy people didn't get wealthy by being in the car wash business. Maybe they were in the car wash business as a passive investment because they were wealthy. Um, and ultimately, at 18, 19 years old, I didn't really have the cash reserves uh, to float the bill during the lean months. Um, so, you know, sat down. I remember sitting in my, my bedroom at my parents' house. Um, doing everything I could to, to keep the car wash alive. I said, okay, I need some additional income streams. I need some additional revenue to help keep this thing alive. If we can weather the, the hard times, um, this is going to pay off. I'm curious, did your father ever have that like uh, come to Jesus moment with you? Did he ever sit you down and said, you know, here's, here is a path that you might want to take. Um, it's up to you to take that first step. Yeah, he absolutely did. did he, he saw me, he, he saw me struggling um, to the point where, uh, I mean, Times were tough. I was working, you know, at the car wash. I remember uh, I was just telling my wife this story. We drove by it recently and it was snowing. And I said, you know, I used to hand shovel that car wash because I didn't have the money to pay a plow guy. So, yeah, he did. He sat, he sat me down and he said, look, you know, um, I've got an opportunity. So my, my father owns a, a distribution company here in Pittsburgh. They distribute snacks and beverages to, to retail. Um, sat me down and said, you know, I work with a brand that uh, is looking for, for a local sales rep. And uh, I think, you know, it's, it's completely up to you, but you might want to give it a shot. I think you could be good at it. And I remember telling him, yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> got to get through this next month in the car wash. I'm gonna, it's going to be okay. And uh, then I remember s- sitting down and, and really thinking about it and saying, you know what? Okay, I'll do this. I'm going to take this. This is going to kind of be a means to an end, right? It's not going to be I don't want to do, I don't want to follow into my father's business. I, that's not what I want to do. I want to go make, make some extra money, help alleviate some of these or alleviate some of these cash flow issues I'm having with my businesses. And ultimately I'll be back in on my own, doing my own thing again in, in a year. Um, so he set up an interview and I interviewed with the Boylan bottling company, um, to, for, it was called a territory manager's position. Oh no, I'm sorry. Take that back, guys. At the time, it was called uh, Peddler of Proprietary Pop was my title. <laughs> that was a tongue twister title, that's for sure. Peddler of Proprietary Pop. And I remember thinking to myself, damn it, I've been a CEO since I was 16. This is ridiculous. I can't do this. Um, but what that job was is it was knocking on the, knocking on the doors of local retailers 
Um, it was attached to my father's distribution company working for, working for Boylan, but going out and just building the business, uh, retailer by retailer, selling in the Boylan brands, uh, to those stores. And, uh, not too long after probably about a year in, I got a call for our national sales meeting, come on into New Jersey. Um, and you know, it's annual sales planning. It's going to be great. And we get there and it became evident to me pretty early on. And I, I was pretty successful in my role, but as a remote employee, it was very hard to like kind of quantify that, right? Like I didn't have any peers or colleagues like near me. I knew my boss liked what I was doing and that was great. But we got there and it, it became pretty evident that I was apparently outperforming my peers. And uh, the CEO had, had pulled me aside and he said to me, um, you know, there's a, there's a regional manager's position opening up in the Midwest. Nobody knows about it yet. Um, but is it something you'd be interested in? And I remember saying, uh, probably not. I don't know. You know, I really wanted to stay in Pittsburgh and work on building my business, right? Whatever that business would be, whether it was going to be car washes or whatever it was going to be, I wanted to be in Pittsburgh where I could continue to build out my own companies or try to. And um, I got back to the room that night and I remember calling my dad and saying, you know, you're not going to believe this. They gave me an opportunity to move to Chicago. That's crazy. I don't want to be a regional manager. You know, this, this pop business isn't for me. This beverage business isn't for me. This is, you know, this is just a means to an end. And, um, I remember waking up the next morning and I called my dad back and I said, would you be pissed if I took that job in Chicago? And he said, he said, no, go do it. You should absolutely go give it a try. Um, and, and I did and, uh, moved to Chicago. Uh, working for the Boylan Bottling Company. So I'm about a year into the, my time at, at Boylan, uh, promoted to a Midwest regional manager, and I'm doing really well. You know, again, my, my father's spent his entire life in the business, so I've got some connections at this point, and he's given me some advice. And I remember the money was 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 awful, and I'm still cash-strapped um, from, from my businesses, right? And uh, I tell my wife this now. Right before I met her, I was actually staying in an extended-stay hotel. This place was god awful like an hour or 40 minutes outside of chicago um it's god awful and i'm eating like whatever was cheapest at walmart because i have a i have a credit card with like a 500 limit and no cash because all my cash is gone from this stupid car wash business i was in <laughs> um, so i end up really really just going deep and i said all right i need to go deep into again one of those mo- moments with myself where i said here's the plan chase you can still be a businessman. You can still create something of your own, but you need to fix these these income issues right now. You need to start making some revenue for yourself. You need to be able to live. Um, you're out on your own for the first time. Like you got to make this happen. So I decided then that like I'm going to go all in on the beverage business and at Boylan. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to you know work my way through. It's going to be decent money. I'm going to make a good living. And then I'm going to use that living to figure out what the next step is. And I started thinking, you know, my dad has this beverage distribution company in Pittsburgh. You know, maybe I learn all I can here on the, on the manufacturer supplier side uh, here at Boylan. I learned everything I can and I can take that back to the family business. And maybe that's my answer. Maybe my answer, I want to run a company. Maybe the answer is learn all I can here, go back and add that value to my dad's company. Um, and that's what I thought I would do. And I thought I would do that for probably four years. So I'm living in Chicago, meet my wife, and um, no, she wasn't my wife then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Meet meet my what is now my wife, and uh, I get another call. Hey, come on into 
to New Jersey again. We need to talk to you. And I remember being super excited. I'm like 21. And it's my first like business flight. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Like I've, I'm committing myself to this company. I'm committing myself to, to this business itself. Uh, you know, the beverage business in this industry. Here I am getting on a plane, going to see the CEO. This is going to be awesome. And um, I get there and uh, they sit me down and they say, you know, you've done such a good job in the Midwest that we actually uh, we want to make some changes here. And we want to promote you to our mid-Atlantic territory. Uh, now, the Boylan Bottling Company was founded in New Jersey. And that, that northeast kind of mid-Atlantic area has always been the number one market. So this was this was big potatoes for a kid that decided recently that he wants to really commit to that business, right, that industry. Like, now I'm going to be running, you know, the number two uh, region for the company. This is fantastic. Well, I just started dating this girl. So I go back to Chicago, and I'm like, uh, good news, bad news. Good news, I got a promotion. Bad news, I have to leave. Um, and uh, I get out there, and it turns out she ended up uh, getting an externship out of law school that was that was in New Jersey as well. So uh, stuck stuck together. Law uh, school, huh? Is that what you were? That's how you were getting over your financial difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> I see what's I wish, happening. Chase. <laughs> I wish I wish that were the case, my friend. Uh-huh. Um, I really do. I worked so hard to make sure I didn't have any college debt, and now look. <laughs> well, true, true. Well, Chase, it sounds like you're you're moving up in the world, um, getting promoted again, moving back to Pittsburgh. And um, I want to ask you about your plans for this uh, relaunch of uh, of Jolt Cola, and uh, you know, kind of firmly establishing yourself in this uh, beverage industry. Um, but we're gonna do that right after this quick break. The good people at podcasterstory.com are proud to sponsor the podcast. They've been helping businesses and individuals podcast their story for years. Bill, did you know some of my favorite podcast episodes are just one episode? Yes. I mean, think about it. Most people think podcasts have to be serial, like it's some long, ongoing production, but some of the best stories simply have a beginning, middle, and end. And uh, that's why the professionals at Podcast Your Story are here to help. They help you record and tell your story, and the final product is one podcast episode for you to share with the world. It's cool now. You can share it on other people's social media, so if you're going to do that for somebody, you can also share it with the world and your relatives and your friends. That's the idea. Most of the people we talk to on this podcast, we talk to them once and we hear their story. So it could be the origin story about starting your own business or a personal story like uh, the day you had your wedding or um, finding a long-lost adoptive sibling. I mean, the professionals at podcastyourstory.com specialize in this one-of-a-kind standalone podcast episode. And our listeners get 20% off your first recording. Just mention promo code GTS. That's 20% off your first recording with podcastyourstory.com by mentioning promo code GTS. And now, back to our interview. Can you tell us the story about becoming involved with Jolt Cola? Yeah, Jolt Cola, the original American energy drink. All the sugar, twice the caffeine, right? Um, <laughs> double the double the sugar. Tw- wait, but, no, all the sugar, twice the caffeine. Now I don't remember it. it. <laughs> all the sugar, twice the caffeine. It's been it's been since the eighties, Bill. I need we, one. We forgive you. I yeah. need one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Joe Cola burst out on the scene in nineteen eighty five. Uh, you know, in the secret recipe again, all the sugar and twice the caffeine. Um, you know, it was a handful of years before I personally burst onto the scene. Um, <laughs> I'm told it was a great time to be alive, and uh, to this day, I love to hear the stories of all the jolt-fueled uh, late-night term papers and gaming sessions and, and all the wild times through the, uh, through the mid to late 80s. Um, you know, you fast forward to, to the 2000s, 
And uh, with a crowded energy drink category, Jolt Cola kind of really forgot its roots. It wasn't what CJ Rap really created uh, in 1985. And it became this kind of weird version of just a value energy drink. Um, there are all kinds of different flavors and different colors and crazy looking cans. Um, so then ultimately, uh, you know, when new management took over, um, they made the tough decision to just discontinue the brand. So, you know, Joel Cole very, uh, had great, great success early on in the, in the, uh, eighties and nineties, um, even into the early two thousands. But once you started to see, you know, uh, Red Bull and, and Monster and these, these new age energy drinks, um, you know, the category just became way overcrowded. I mean, so. it was, it was gone for, to the best of my recollection, all, probably 10 years. I mean, the fact we're even talking about it now is surprising to probably some listeners because, um, it was there and then it just wasn't there anymore. So, you know, kind of bringing a background to you, how do you come into that story? Yeah. It's a good news. It's back. Um, <laughs> so discontinued in the early two thousands, we fast forward, uh, into 2017 and I'm, uh, getting ready to pull out of LaGuardia on a plane, uh, from New York to Vegas for a, a, an industry event I was going to and uh, sitting next to a guy and we do the niceties, you know, hey, how are you? Uh, good, long flight, yeah. business or pleasure. I said, come on, man, it's Vegas. It's always both, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, business, yeah, same. Um, oh, where are you going? I said, the trade show I'm going to. And he says, oh, yeah, me too. Um, so we're taxiing. I said, oh, so what do you do? You know, I'm I'm in consumer packaged goods, um, you know, primarily beverage. And uh, I said, oh, what are you doing? He said, well, um, I'm an executive uh, at a company that does a lot of uh, retail sourcing for the value channel. So the dollar stores, actually. And um, I'm like, oh, great. You know, the one time I'm on a flight next to a guy that has purchasing power for a retailer, it's the value channel. And uh, the Boylan Bottling Company, all of our products are very premium. Um, so I'm like, here we are, five-hour flight. I'm next to a guy that can purchase something for, for major retailers and I don't make anything that fits his channel. Fantastic. So, um, soon thereafter we get up in the air, I maybe had a bourbon and it hit me. We're just talking shop and it hit me. And I said, what do you think about Jolt Cola? So, you know, this gentleman was, was a little bit older than I am. And uh, I said, so what do you think about Jolt Cola? You remember that brand? And he said, Oh my God, do I remember Jolt Cola, Jolt Cola, all the sugar, twice the caffeine. And so we just start talking and, Pretty quickly, I said to him, I said, what if we relaunch that brand? I said, you know, it's a good fit for the value channel. You have the, the you know, the, the, the connections and the purchasing ability uh, in that channel. Um, what if we work together to relaunch Jolt Cola? And by the time we landed in Vegas, um, we had pretty much sketched out what we thought to be the perfect relaunch plan. Um, we landed in Vegas, uh, promised that we would connect while we were on the ground, um, and went to our show, ended up connecting uh, back at the airport. We were actually, ironically, on the same flight back to New York, <laughs> um, shooting emails back and forth on the plane, trying to work through this plan. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how the, the, uh, the Joe Cola relaunch came to be. That's neat. Yeah, so, you know, we have a lot of listeners who love business. Can you tell us what the plans were for the relaunch? Yeah, so, again, um, you know, the gentleman I'd met, uh, had very strong connections in the value channel. And when you're doing a relaunch or you're starting any consumer packaged good company, uh, distribution's key, right? One of my favorite sayings is, you know, good products never become real brands because of lack of distribution. Distribution is key. And that's really kind of my specialty. You know, talking to him, uh, one of the major retailers he works with is actually Dollar General. Uh, at the time, Dollar General had about 12,000 stores. 
12,000 stores is, is a large, uh, large amount of doors. And when you're, you're starting a brand or you're relaunching a brand, again, distribution is key. So knowing that we would have, or that we may have an opportunity with Dollar General for this relaunch, the, the decision to relaunch it with Dollar General was primarily driven by the store count. Um, we had no interest in relaunching Jolt Cola unless we had the right partner. So having the, having that access to, to almost 15,000 stores right away made uh, Dollar General the perfect partner for, for a relaunch. We knew that we had built-in distribution. So you got the location and you got the stores. What else do you have to do in a uh, relaunch situation for uh, a product that you know seemingly was successful at first but then kind of faded away? We had to do everything and we had to do it quickly. So uh, for those of you that don't know, in retail, um, there's what they call category review cycles, right? You only th- see the things on, on a shelf of a store change so often. Um, and the timing for us, um, what would typically be, you know, uh, a year or two years to do something like this, we had a very limited window to work. Um, if we wanted to, to make the deadline to be on the shelf for what they call the next reset. Um, so we started working quickly. We didn't have a UPC code. We didn't have a can. We didn't have manufacturing. We had, you know, the original recipe, but we had no suppliers. This is a brand that hasn't been made in almost 10 years. Right. So we had nothing. Um, we had the design, the original can design, original package design, logos, trademarks, and a recipe. So again, quickly got, got to work, had UPC codes, started working with um, you know manufacturers, uh, suppliers, um, and really just basically relaunched this brand uh, in a matter of uh, eight to nine weeks. So you have the recipe. Is it really all the sugar and twice the caffeine? It is really all the sugar and twice the caffeine. Just checking. Um, <laughs> it, it really is all the sh- all the sugar, twice the caffeine. Um, it's the original recipe from CJ Rapp when he started it in 1980, uh, 1985. Um, the only thing that has changed is, and again, the can design is the same as well. The only thing that has changed is uh, at launch, it was a 12-ounce can. And we actually decided to go with a 16-ounce can. Just kind of That's kind of what the market, that category dictates at this point. Well, you know, let me jump right to it. What was the response of uh, the relaunch? The response from the relaunch was fantastic. We sold out on Amazon uh, in our first day. Um, The nostalgic customers, the guys that remember it from 1985, um, they were all over it. They really wanted to get their hands on it. At the time, you know, uh, retro was really cool. Uh, Crystal Pepsi just did a relaunch. So um, we weren't the only retro brand doing a relaunch. Uh, There was a ton of national media coverage. Uh, It was picked up on on late shows. Good morning, America. It was all over. It's nice when you can get that coverage and, and not have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Earned Media is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Chase, uh, if we jump ahead to the future for, uh, for let's say, for Joel Cola, um, you know, what are your plans for the brand? Yeah, so we're continuing to build retail distribution. Um, you know, our uh, arrangement for the relaunch initially was with Dollar General, um, but now we are focusing on building uh, additional retail distribution as well as non-traditional. So, uh, you can find Jolt 16-ounce cans um, expanding through convenience stores all across the country. Uh, and again, we're continuing to look at just conventional retail uh, outlets as well. Um, you will also be able to soon find uh, Jolt Cola fountain machines. So all the sugar, twice the caffeine, same recipe uh, available to you on a soda fountain machine. So it's going to be great in food service and great in convenience. Well, that's pretty cool stuff, Chase. Anything else you're excited about in the future? Yeah, we're going to continue to, to build brands, hopefully. Um, we're looking at a couple other categories right now. Um, soon enough, we're going to be in the protein bar business. Um, you know, Other than that, uh, just continuing to focus on uh, my contributions here at our local community and, and our family business. 
Absolutely. So going back on your entire story from, from basically when you were 10 years old and 13 and through all those jobs, we're looking for advice you'd want to give someone starting their own business, especially if they struggled in the beginning. Um, they can probably just listen to this and pick it up. But any other tips that, um, you know, that you found and, and along your journey and how to help them out? So for me, one of the things that's always stuck with me from my father is uh, to be a plow horse, not a show horse. And that to me means do the hard work. Don't worry about being pretty. Just do it. Get in, do the work. Well, so, you're, so yeah. if you're not pretty, <laughs> if you're not pretty, you got to work harder. No, Damn no. Damn it. Bill, <laughs> we'll cut that part out too. <laughs> he cuts all my jokes out. <laughs> <laughs> not the good ones. Oh. Uh, well, Chase, this has been uh, a pretty fantastic story. I mean, taking us all the way through uh, everything from the, the snow cone <laughs> sales business to the car washes to the relaunch of, uh, of a brand like Joel Cola. Pretty pretty good stuff. Um, can you remind our listeners where they can go to find out a little bit more about you and all the brands you're working with online? Yeah, you can find out more about me and my projects uh, and all of our brands at chaseslepic.com. So C-H-A-S-E-S-L-E-P-A-K.com. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been a pretty incredible story. And Chase, thanks so much for doing the show. Yeah, thanks for your time, Chase. Thank you, guys. Chase Slapik and Joe Cola. Wow, Bill, what do you think? Oh, the best part about that story, Rich, was that when you told him to send me Jolt Cola so we could have some and I don't have to steal it anymore. Oh, my gosh. I, I forgot to mention that. Uh, Chase, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, you, we don't want Bill to get in trouble for stealing Jolt nope. Cola again. No. Nope. Actually, you didn't get in trouble the first time, but I did not get in no more the stealing, first time. Bill. Okay. Chase, please. I'll send you Bill's uh, office address. <laughs> Let's get this guy some Jolt. Uh, it's, quite a, um, it's quite a story. It is. Uh, Hardworking, if you're hard, yeah, hardworking kid grows into hardworking adult and seems to have a knack for um, finding the right the right timing on things. Absolutely, and uh, nowadays, so many people want to just be like handed an opportunity, and sometimes if they are, they don't want to take it. They're afraid like mm-hmm. they're going to be stuck in a job for you know the rest of their life, or maybe they don't want to commit to anything just yet. It's it's scary to commit, but a guy like Chase, he was willing to. To kind of go all in multiple times and and fail, uh, pick himself back up, mm-hmm. and he found himself in a position to relaunch an iconic brand like Jolt Cola, and, uh, and a pretty cool story along the way. You can learn a lot when you uh, and when you fail, and when you uh, take jobs or do things that you necessarily don't want to do, um, but. All of that can help you be successful in the future. Absolutely. Well, reminder to you, the listeners out there, that if you know somebody with a fascinating story like Chase or a brand you want us to do a story on like Jolt, send it our way on our website, guystellingstories.com. Just go to our Suggest a Story form, and we love it when people send us suggestions, so uh, check samples. that out online. Yeah, you can send us some samples, too. <laughs> we'll give you Bill's office address. <laughs> And as always, if you're new to the show, be sure to tap subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just share the episode with friends. There's nothing like word of mouth recommendation. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Rich is a good one. I know. I know. I enjoyed it, Bill. Let's go drink some jolt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. As always, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Until next time.